0: I'd say legislatively, one of the top priorities that we're hoping to accomplish early is on toxic exposure. I think what we've seen recently is that veterans are waiting entirely too long for decisions on their disability claims with respect to various exposures in military service. So setting up an enduring framework going forward that is research-based, science-based, but also provides the dignity up or down of a decision from the secretary so that veterans aren't waiting is something I think that most members believe and most veterans advocates believe that we ought to focus on.
1: Welcome to the Policy Vets podcast, engaging with leaders, scholars, and strong voices to fill a void in support of policy development for America's veterans with your hosts, Former Secretary of Veterans Affairs, Dr. David Shulkin, and former Executive Director of the American Legion, Lou Shelley. Today, part two with the Minority Staff Director for the Senate Committee on Veterans Affairs, John Towers. So, how important is it to work with groups like you know the VSOs and constituents, groups and organizations like policy vets? How does that help the process that you and lawmakers have to go through?
0: Yeah. It's essential. Veterans organizations and those who follow what we do are our eyes and ears on the ground across the nation. These membership organizations, they're in every community. They utilize the benefits and services that we uh, strive to conduct oversight on on a day to day basis with, without those organizations informing members and staff as to ex- and, and, and the VA exactly what the situation is on the ground, we we would be at a a 2% effectiveness. So it is indispensable that we have not only veterans organizations, uh, but we've got interested media in what we do. And what you have started here, uh, which I think is a fantastic idea, you know, kind of a a think tank uh, of, of veterans policy and fostering discussions on Uh, all things veterans is outstanding. So the more we get folks at the American public interested in what we do, I think the better better those who have served will be for it. Great.
2: John, uh, I know we've talked a lot about your relationships with members of the House and the Senate, but one of the things we haven't talked about is your relationship with the Department of Veteran Affairs and specifically the Secretary. And I know you've seen So many different communication styles from secretaries during your time supporting Congress. Tell us about what you hope the new secretary will be like and what that relationship with your committee will be like.
0: My hope is and I and I really believe that that this is who he is as an individual, Secretary McDonough. And he testified to this at his confirmation hearing and he emphasizes it even when the cameras are off. He is a fully transparent, uh, collaborative individual who has emphasized to Senator Moran on multiple occasions. You will never be surprised by anything that, that happens, that, that he will strive to make sure that either through staff or directly to, with the Senator, that anything, any announcement, any shift in policy, whether it's something they agree on or not, that he will always shoot him straight, and he's and he's followed through on that. Uh, even in the early days of this administration, there have been multiple calls set up where the secretary has talked with the senator on this or that issue, just giving him a heads up. And you know what that that communication is critical because it builds trust that you know no one is playing. A, uh, and use this word earlier, gotcha. So I think that is in terms of communication, what I would hope for as as an agent for the ranking member. And certainly I've seen that in past secretaries in varying degrees, but Secretary McDonough, I think is on off to a great start in that stead.
1: Thank you, John. I, I think that we all are hoping for exactly the same thing. So with that in
0: mind, what is the committee focusing on this Congress? Lots of oversight. I, I talked about all of the successful legislative enactments that we had, if you just look at the 115th Congress, that was one of the most historic Congresses from a legislative standpoint uh, since the end of World War II. You had the Mission Act, which of course had three massive components to it. I talked about the Air Act uh, for one. You had caregiver expansion. That was another. That was about a decade in, in the waiting. Uh, for pre911 uh, veterans and their caregivers and then you had the community care aspect of the mission act which again put 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 in place access standards and circumstances under which veterans could seek care out, out in the community but beyond that, You've got the Forever GI Bill. That was a part of that Congress. You've got appeals modernization. Turning to last Congress, we've got the John Scott Hannon Act, which was focused on suicide prevention, mental health. Uh, There's an element of that act for the 70 percent of veterans who've had little or no contact with VA uh, prior to ending their life by suicide. You know, we, we need to Find a way to involve the community more in reaching out to, to veterans who are in mental distress or just distress and, and are, are contemplating suicide. So just a different approach, uh, with that law. And then at the end of the, of the Congress, we enacted the Johnny Isaacson Phil Rowe law. And that was a kind of a hodgepodge of benefits, healthcare. We have done so much. And, and by the way, this is just what the Congress does, has done. VA itself, under its own authority is in the middle of a transformation with respect to an electronic health record. You know, that's a 16 billion plus endeavor and Mr. Secretary, you know all about that. So oversight of VA's progress on rolling that initiative out. We're we're in a bit of a pause right now out in Spokane to make sure that we're getting this right before we move from other medical from that medical center to others around the country. A lot of oversight, as I mentioned, I'd say legislatively, one of the top priorities that we're hoping to accomplish early is on toxic exposure. I think what we've seen recently is that veterans are waiting entirely too long for decisions on their disability claims with respect to various exposures in military service. So setting up some type of a framework, an enduring framework going forward that is research-based, science-based, but also provides the dignity up or down of a decision from the secretary so that veterans aren't waiting is something I think that most members believe and most veterans advocates believe that we ought to focus on. And so that's, that's where our attention is right now.
2: John, uh, that's a really robust agenda, and uh, I think so many important issues. One of them I just wanted to follow up on has to do with the toxic exposures and particularly about burn pits. There are a couple bills that are being introduced by Senator Tillis, I believe, has a bill being introduced on burn pits, and so does Senator Gillibrand and Rubio. So what happens when there are similar bills working through the process how does how does the committee deal with that
0: great question and a timely one because on april 28th we're having a legislative hearing and on that hearing agenda at which we'll invite veterans advocates we will invite the department to testify on seven or eight bills that uh, cover the the issues that you just outlined burn pits Senator tillis's team act which as i mentioned Really strives to, to create a, an enduring framework going forward for how VA evaluates whether there ought to be presumptions of service connection established for various exposures in military service. And so what happens, we'll have a legislative hearing and, and we'll listen to testimony from various advocates and VA. And, you know, there'll be arguments in favor of some bills. There'll be arguments against other bills. And, and then the committee will assess what is the best way going forward what consensus can be reached um, and that's generally the process that we follow not only with uh, exposure, toxic exposure legislation but all legislation. That is good good question and, and we're April is the month for uh, for dealing with those varying differences in the toxic exposure bills. John, Congress's job is extremely
1: difficult. I think more complex than than the average person realizes. And on top of uh, deciding what is going to result in, in good policy and good legislation, they also have to figure out how to pay for it. You know?
0: This is the last year. Fiscal 2021 is the last year of the Budget Control Act, establishing discretionary spending caps of which VA was uh, was a part of. Um, so for the last decade, VA was lumped in with other agencies that were not the Department of Defense. And there were spending caps established that uh, governed how much broadly all of these agencies to include VA, h- how much could be appropriated up to that capped amount. How it affected VA? As an authorizing committee, we always had to be sensitive to whatever legislation we reported at a committee over negotiating with the Senate to send to the president. We had to be sensitive to what are the real world consequences of, in terms of dollars of those enactments. And how did that translate into the appropriation that would be necessary to execute those laws? And how did that translate into how much a lot of these other agencies that fell under the Budget Control Act could receive? And, and in recent years, there were some real contentious debates in the Congress as to what do we do about this problem? And, you know, some said that we ought to take certain elements of VA spending off the ledger. And, and so there was a real uh, hand-wringing as to the best policy approach in dealing with that. For, um, but as I mentioned, 2021 is the last year of the Budget Control Act. So going forward in the next budget cycle, there are no spending caps. So it'll be a different paradigm.
1: Well, even with the Budget Control Act in place and, uh, you know, controls that, that determine how spending is uh, is appropriated, we still have a $3 trillion budget. So what does it look like going forward?
0: Uh, A
1: deficit, I'm sorry, a $3 trillion
0: deficit. We do. And of course, this past year is is a bit unique in that we were dealing with the consequences of a global pandemic and its impact on lives and our economy. So a lot of money has been appropriated within the last year for that purpose. Uh, So it's a bit of an anomaly. That said... The growing federal debt and the growing federal deficit predated the pandemic. That's something I'm not an economist, but it's something that, you know, has to be on everyone's radar going forward. Uh, I think we're up close to 30 trillion in, in debt now and annual deficits being very, very high. So I, the concern there is that if the what what some say are negative consequences that follow from that level of debt should translate into a an economic or fiscal crisis in the country. How does that trickle down to what we do and caring for veterans and and providing um, assistance to veterans through disability compensation, et cetera? So. It's, a, it's an important issue. Uh, it's one, I think, as we emerge from this pandemic, something that members, I'm sure, will have to turn to uh, again uh, to wrestle with.
2: John, you mentioned that April 28th is going to be a committee hearing on uh, toxic exposures. What else is scheduled? What else can we expect that's going to be upcoming in the next couple months?
0: Sure. Of course, the Senate's a bit different in the House that we've got uh, nomination hearings to uh, nominees of the department uh, to consider. So on our immediate agenda, we've got a nominee for the VA general counsel that we're hearing from next week. Mm -hmm. Uh, The following week, we've uh, got a roundtable on homelessness. Uh, And often, uh, instead of oversight hearings, often roundtables are a more informal way for advocates and members to have a free-flowing discussion on ideas. So homelessness, oversight, obviously, dur- I think the homelessness situation has, has not been made better by this pandemic and veterans are not spared from that. So really taking stock of where are we, what more needs to be done, whether it's dollars, whether it's legislative authority. Beyond that, like I said, we've got uh, electronic health record. I think we're going to have a hearing down the road on where we are with uh, uh, implementation uh, on that, following the 12-week pause, uh, DOD-VA collaboration. This is the year that the Air Commission nominees are supposed to be sent up, and at the end of this year, the Secretary's recommendations on facility realignments and modernizations will then be turned over to the Congress and to the Commission. To begin doing its work, so a lot of oversight in, in in these various areas. John, there is so much that we haven't had a chance
1: to cover, and you know, before we go, I, I do have a question. But before we get there, I'd like to just ask if you'd be willing to come back and 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 maybe address you know some of the stuff we didn't get to cover at a later date.
0: I'd love to. This was this was really great. I I really appreciate the discussion. Like I said, I think this is a great idea. You mentioned earlier that the more uh, the American public is focused on veterans issues. I think uh, the healthier, uh, certainly our discussion up here is, and the better our work product is. So I, I really value this, uh, what you've started and would, would be glad to come back.
2: Well, John, you know, I, I just want to also thank you. And, you know, I've had the privilege of being both undersecretary and secretary and getting to interact with staff and interacting with you. And I think most Americans can be pretty skeptical what goes on in Congress. They see things being reported, but when they have exposure to people that are as thoughtful as you are and know the issues the way that you have and have dedicated your career, I think it gives them a much healthier respect for really the work that goes on. So I think this is important that people get a chance to hear from people like you. To see really how valuable this work can be.
0: I appreciate the opportunity and I completely agree with you. We're, uh, I know we're mired sometimes in Congress here with a 9% approval rating, but uh, <laughs> we're not all bad people. The staff here are good people. So thank you for saying that, sir.
1: John, we've worked together a long time and I can personally attest to the fact that you are thoughtful you are methodical and you are fair and I've always enjoyed working with you. And I just, I want to thank you for being on, on this podcast with us today at policy vets.
0: Likewise, Lou. Absolutely. Thanks, John. All right. Great. Thank you. you.
1: Well, that concludes our interview with John towers next week. Our guest is Lieutenant general Ron place. He's a director of the defense health agency, and he's going to tell us what to expect for warfighter medicine in 2022. You are not going to want to miss this episode. Thanks for listening to the Policy Vets podcast. For more information about projects and other podcasts, go to policyvets.org.